Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. We are Movies to Watch Podcast. Okay, that's cute. <laughs> right? You should have really committed, though, and bought drumsticks. Oh, I guess I could have used chopsticks. I used pens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope that has the best them. sound available. I mean, the pens, it worked. It, but I think it was appropriate. There we go. Mita, how are you? I am living and breathing. Good. And point. sweating right now. Yeah, it's a little warm. <laughs> it's hot. I can't have the fan on so that you can all have an enjoyable podcast to listen to. <laughs> so just Thank know you. that I'm suffering because there is no fan. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you. The listeners and I, as the editor of this podcast, appreciate it. Mita, I feel like it's time for me to share some news. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. (laughs) So, dear listeners, I have been keeping a big secret from uh, you all for the last nine months. Mm -hmm. My wife and I have actually been expecting a baby, and he arrived on Saturday, July 17th. So exciting. Yeah, so we are a little bit ahead. I think this episode is premiering. This is in August. August 4th. So yeah, we are actually just a, the reason these episodes got so ahead was because Mita and I were essentially preparing for the my baby. The birth of come, your child. <laughs> the birth of my child to make sure that we couldn't have our episodes lined up before the baby came because we knew the timing would kind of limit. We were able to find a pocket of time today to record, but uh, I wanted to share that news with y'all because it's a big thing that happened. And yeah. Yes, I'm very excited for you. Congratulations again. Thank you, you very much. Another cancer child in your I home. Do. I do. Which, I have. Um, we're just going to take over your world. We're everywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I had a little baby boy. He's doing well. He's at home. He cries like a little. My daughter says he cries like a cat, and she's not wrong. Oh, <laughs> that's said, cute. He sounds like a cat. And I'm like, yeah, it's true. He does. <laughs> Uh, also, my psychic guest that I you was were gonna having say, a boy. Yeah. So, Mita, I, I need you to tell the story. So, I. I wouldn't say she's a psychic. She does tarot reading. And it's this woman in Richmond Hill. Is it in Richmond Hill? Yeah, it's in Richmond Hill in Toronto. In Toronto? Okay. Yeah. And so I saw her for the first time like a couple years ago. And I did a reading with her. And like sometimes I'll go back and listen to the recording. And there were a lot of things that actually like wound up happening. And like a lot of truths have been revealed. And so I think this spring I was just like, oh, I wonder like – What's going on with her? Like, is she still doing uh-huh. readings? Is she doing them virtually? Because she's like an older Iranian auntie. Okay. So she's not like some spring chicken who can do all the Zoom calls <laughs> and whatnot, right? Enough, yeah. And so I texted her and she's just like, yeah, I'm doing Zoom readings. Do you want one? And I don't remember exactly how. I have to listen back to it. But you came up and the fact she asked me, I think she asked me, do you have a son? And I had said, no, but he and his wife are expecting right now. And she goes, oh, okay, yeah, I, there's a boy there. And so she, she you would knew. actually, I, I thought it was you asked about the podcast. I did. You, yes. You well, asked, I, we, I was talking about you yeah. and our podcast and like, what would this come to? Is this going to mm-hmm. be anything? So stay tuned, guys. It could be stay really tuned, big. Stay yeah. But she had asked about you and then she had asked if you had a son and then yeah. I went into more. Yeah. But I go. think the bigger thing is, I always, anytime I, I've told people this story and anytime I say it, I have to back it up with the second part, which is that last year, Mita was told, and you correct me if I'm telling this wrong. Okay. Um, or do you want to say it? I guess I can tell it too. You, you tell that. <laughs> yeah. yeah tell that so story. when I, I saw her in 2018, 2019 or 2018? 2019. I saw her in 2019. I was still living in Toronto and like my life was very different than it is today in 2021. And she had brought up that there was going to be somebody in my life, a male figure, who has something to do with golf. She kept saying golf. And that person and I were going to have something to work on, something creative that we were going to be working together. And at the time, I thought, like, the only people I knew who liked golf were, like, some of my cousins. And I was like, Uh I don't see myself doing anything with them. (laughs) So, like, I don't know what that is. And then I re-listened to it again last year. And it, like, hit me 
Nadim used to be the manager of a mini putt here in Ottawa. Yeah, of an indoor mini putt. And when we started our podcast, that like that was your job at yeah. the time. Yeah. And that like, is wild. It's crazy, right? That is really wild, actually. Yeah. And so when you initially told me, I was like, okay, well, this woman, first of all, has a 50-50 shot of getting this like guess right. But then you told me this thing, and I'm like, that is, that's a little scary. Yeah. She was that like is, on the, the spot with it. Yeah. Th- and those are like very specific details. And you should go back to this woman and be like, you were right again. Uh, con- she's constantly right. She like guessed a lot of things in 2019 that wound up like happening in the next wow. year. Yeah. So I keep listening to. So do you know, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but in Islam, you're actually not supposed to believe psychics. Because the belief is, is that psychics actually have a power to communicate with the third dimension. There's beings called jinns. Mm -hmm. And so psychics actually do have the ability to speak to them and they do know some things. But you're not supposed to find out because oftentimes the things they say can be true. Mm -hmm. And you're not supposed to let someone else essentially dictate your destiny or have an effect on what your future should hold. Because religiously, you believe that they are real. Oh, interesting. Why have it's you not... let me tell you all this then? <laughs> Honestly, when you told me the, when you told me again, it was a boy. And then yeah. I was, I was like, okay, 50 shot. But then you told me the thing about the mini putt and then us doing the podcast. I was like, that is. Insane. That is insane. Yeah. This woman knows things. She knows things. It's crazy. Crazy. Okay. Do you think this woman knew Jeff Bezos would be going into the sky? <laughs> what a segue. Right? I thought, re- I'm really proud of that one. <laughs> She probably did, honestly. Probably like, did. she must have saw this a while ago. What a cartoon of a man. What? I just, like, it gets me so angry. My dad's yeah. been watching CNN, like, every day for the past three days. Just yeah. all about Jeff Bezos. And I'm so mad. He's like, why are you so cynical? I was like, this man has billions of dollars. Billions. Plural. Choosing to do something that, like, has been accomplished before, but it's for his own enjoyment and entertainment. Yeah. When he could... He has employees who are dying at their jobs, who are getting hurt at their jobs, who are not paid well enough to have a life. With his personal income, he could literally change the world. Yeah. Fix your home first. Yeah. yeah. Like he could, he he could make Amazon, like Amazon is not this like great place to work that like pays people super well or like has great benefits. Let's use some of those billions of dollars that you have to do better. Yeah. It's, I'm very upset about it. And I just like, I don't, what is the point of this? Like, do you, do we really want space travel to be like air travel? Casual, yeah. Like, it will never, like, the cost of it alone, like not, you're creating something that's not going to be accessible to. Attainable, yeah. Yeah. What did I say? Accessible. But it's both. It's accessible or attainable. attainable. It's it's not going to be either of those things. It's so infuriating. And like, I just, I'm very mad at Jeff Bezos. I think it's just going to be a, it's going to be a weird flex. Yeah. Like, oh, I went to space. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You have a warehouse full of people with injuries. Yeah. Injuries. Um, You're not paying them enough. Who you haven't given time off of since the beginning of this pandemic, who've been working their asses off. Like, yeah. Oh, it bugs me so much. Yeah. Okay, we're on the same page. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> Imagine I was just like, oh my god, he's so cool. <laughs> Imagine you like hate into the Jeff Bezos of it all. Before we get into Scott Pilgrim, I do want to say one thing. Okay. Uh, so my daughter stayed at home with my parents while we were, my wife was giving birth and mm-hmm. she had a great time. And one day she watched Tangled with my <laughs> brother of her choice. She wanted to watch Frozen and my brother was like, pick something else. And then she picked Tangled. <laughs> Because she picks Frozen <laughs> all brother. the time. Um, so she watched Tangled. And the other day I was driving her to daycare and she wanted to listen to the songs. And we came to that song, the light song, or yeah. the romantic song with the lanterns. Mm-hmm. I forget when the When she name. has her hair in the braid. When she has her hair in the braid. And my daughter started singing it in the back seat, And I think my heart just like melted. Did she know the words and everything? She did. Wow. She started That's singing talented. the chorus. She's she, her her musical memory is quite something. Like she really does remember music very quickly and very Let's well. On that. Very sp- <laughs> <laughs> but she started singing it, and I think my opinion of Tangled is going to change purely based on her love for it. So we're recording on Wednesday when Tangled came out, and I just finished editing it, and I can say that 
I think my my like for Frozen is 100% tainted by my daughter's opinion because she's about to 100% taint my opinion of Tangled. Tangled. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, there's it's unavoidable at this point. I mean, that's fair for a new Disney. Yeah. But would you let it taint your opinion of old Disney? No, because I think I was young enough like, mm-hmm. I don't think if she was just like, I love Pocahontas, I'd be like, girl, you need to watch some other movies. Watch that again, please. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure that you love watch Pocahontas? Watch Mulan instead. Yeah. yeah. She actually, I uh, she watched The Princess and the Frog the other day. She was sick last week, and so she got mm-hmm. a little bit more screen time than I'm proud to admit. But That's she fine. got to watch Princess and the Frog, and she liked it, and... I was I really wanted to push Princess and the Frog because I wanted her to watch more diverse choices. Mm-hmm. And Disney unfortunately doesn't have too many. Your options are kind of Princess and the Frog, Mulan, Pocahontas, and Aladdin is so confusing as a cultural choice. So just, like I, so many mixed messages. So there. many mixed messages, <laughs> and she, as a South Asian like descendant, she's eventually going to grow up and be like, "What was I watching?" Like, what What exactly was, what culture was this? Well, one day, maybe she'll watch all the movies that we're talking about on our podcast. Maybe, maybe this, maybe her podcast will be our podcast. Listening to my dad's podcast. (laughs) And it'll be, I'm going to review all the movies my dad watched and see how I felt. That's actually a great idea. Maybe I'll have a kid by then too. And they can can do it together. That would be so cute. Oh, Let's bank on that. Okay. So let's Writing see. It down. So maybe we should get into our review of Scott Pilgrim versus the world so then they can decide what they feel about it. Yes, let's do it. Nadim, give us a description about SP. SP. VTW. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so according to IMDb, in a magically realistic version of Toronto, a young man must defeat his new girlfriend's seven evil exes one by one in order to win her heart. So yeah. that is the movie we watched this week. Mita, why did you pick it for me? I, okay, so I actually only watched this for the first time last year. And I actually watched this after my furlough was over and I took the train back to Toronto. So I was coming from Ottawa to Toronto before I moved back to Ottawa. Mm -hmm. And I had this downloaded on my, I think on my phone, because I don't think I had my laptop at that point. Mm. Yeah, on my phone. I watched it on my phone on a train. So a super small screen. Um, But it actually was just like the best train ride movie to have. And I think at the time I had asked you, like, had you seen this? I've heard things about this before that it's actually really good. And it has this um, cult reputation behind it. And you hadn't watched it. And as soon as I watched it, I was like, oh, I need to make Nadim watch this movie. This is going on the list. I want to know what he feels about this. And so it's as simple as that. That's really it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think that, uh, yeah. So you want my opinion? I, I do. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'll, I'll, I, uh, before we start anything, I feel like this is a very divisive movie in a lot of ways. That's a fair, yeah. I think either people will get it or people won't get it. Uh-huh. Um, and so I'm going to put that out into the universe before I hear what you have to say about it. But please tell me your opinion on SPVTW. All right. So I watched Scott Pilgrim last week. So last week was a very interesting break personally for me because my daughter actually I had to she had a viral infection and I had to take her to the children's hospital. And that was the same day my daughter's OB told her that she had already started dilating and she was about to your wife's OB, my wife's OB um, (laughs) and that she was not my daughter's that my wife was going to deliver at any point in time. So that entire week, the bill, it was literally we were waiting at any moment for like her water to break or something to happen. So one night I was like, okay, I want to watch Scott Pilgrim before I think the baby's going to come. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday that I chose to watch it. So I will say that I was, the stress in my life was like at an all-time Quite preoccupied high. at Quite the preoccupied at I the time. I feel like that's fair. <laughs> so I, I watched this and it's interesting that you say divisive because I watched this with, I watched it and my wife kind of started watching a bit of it and when she watched it she's like what is going on in this movie and mm-hmm. I was and she's just like this is terrible and I'm like it's not but I can see why you think why it someone is. would think that yeah. yeah honestly divisive it's not even how I was going to describe it but when you said it I was like that's it that's it's actually polarizing. what it is it's very polarizing it's a hard movie to like fully explain to someone you need to exp- like tone like you someone has to watch it Like, I think to really understand it, Mm -hmm. I will say that I don't think I loved it, but 
in a very rare opinion, I can completely understand how other people like it. Right? I can completely see, like, I don't think this is necessarily a movie that was made for me, but watching it, I was just like, I can see 100% why people love this and why certain people really love this. I also think a big part of it, so this came out in 2010, so it came out more than uh, 10 years ago. And I think depending on your age, when this came out, Mm -hmm. I think that kind of is a little bit telling. That's fair. Yeah. In 2010, I was 19. Mm -hmm. And like this, like all the music in this movie, sort of that like the aesthetic of it, of like trying to be like alternative but you're not really alternative you're just like everybody else or like wanting to seem like you're different from other people was the tone at the time and i think watching it last year i was just like oh i had such a nostalgia for like all the metric songs and like look at toronto in 2010 like it looks so different than it does now and even just like the cast of this movie as well let's talk about the cast what the hell Okay, I was reading this thing online today that, like, if they wanted to make this today, they could not afford to. They could not afford to. (laughs) There's no physical way. It was just, I was kept on watching, and I was just like, how did this movie land this many people? Yeah, and, like, if you think about it, in 2010, the biggest name was probably Michael Sarah. Which is... (laughs) He was the biggest name at the time, but this has a cast of Aubrey Plaza, Anna Kendrick, Chris Evans, Brie Larson. <laughs> like, there are so many people in this movie who like are so A-listers. successful now. A-list, like yeah. Bonafide like A-listers. Multi-million dollar. Captain America stars. and an Oscar winner and another Oscar nominee. Yeah. Like, that's it's just it's crazy. crazy. And April and, Ludgate. <laughs> and April Ludgate. But can I just say, all in completely forgettable roles. Right? Like, really forgettable. Like, I was watching this... And my, honestly, the the cast was my biggest takeaway from this. I was just like, how did this movie accomplish this? Because Anna Kendrick, let's start with, had already been nominated for an Oscar at this point. When did Up in the Air come out? The, a year before, a year or two before. I thought Up in the Air was 11. So did they come out in the same when year? When did Twilight come out? 2010. No, 2009. Oh, really? So she, yes. So she was filmed, they, they were likely filmed around the same time. Same time. She was an Oscar nominee and chose a complete throwaway role. It's insane. Like, there's no way you could make that, this movie today with those people. And the part my wife watched, actually, was when Brie Larson was in the movie. And she was just like, that girl looks like Brie Larson. And I'm like, it is. And she's like, what is she doing in this? <laughs> but who was Brie Larson in 2010? She was no like, one. Nobody. Was, Brie Larson is maybe the one person I understood. Because she was in, like, Short Term 12. And she was in, like, 21 Jump Street. And, like, her trajectory has been quite something else. And, like, Room was the movie that catapulted that really, her into, yeah. like, yeah. It's interesting, because she was also, like, an extra in a lot of, like, teen movies, like, mm-hmm. 13 Going on 30 and, like, Sleepover yes. and things like that. And so I always remember her from those things. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, the other, the only other thing I can remember, I think she's in, like, a couple episodes of Community, where she plays, like, a yeah. girl that's interested in Ovid. But, like, yeah, I guess not until Room was just, like, this is Brie Larson. This is who you should be paying yeah. attention to. And I actually, I really like her. <laughs> I really like Brie Larson. Yeah. But Chris Evans was already Captain America, was he not? Um, 2010? How do you what not know the Marvel timeline, Mitha? I don't know the timeline by heart. I know, like, I don't know the years, but I know, like, when those movies came out. But 2011, I think... so it was after. After, yeah. Yeah. And, like, I mean, he had been in Fantastic Four and was, like, known. But, like, he wasn't the Chris Evans that we know today that we... He's not Christopher Jamal Evans at this point. When did Fantastic Four come out? 2006 or 7. So he was actually, like... he was. People knew who he was, but he wasn't Chris Evans that he is today. But, Mita, how did this movie land these people? Well, okay, so it is directed and written by Edgar Wright who at this point was, like, had Hot Fuzz come out? I think so. Let me look at his IMDb. I know I have it somewhere. Fantastic Four was 2005. So Chris Evans was a somebody. Was a name, yeah. Yeah. Um, But he has a very small role in this movie. 2007, so yes, this was But a very memorable role. Like, I actually, this is one of my favorite characters he's done. Because I think people think of him as Captain America, but he's actually, like, really good at playing, like, different characters. And he's you don't think... He's kind of variations on a theme, I'd say. Yeah. A little bit, because he generally plays 
good-looking... I mean, he's good-looking. He can't escape that. <laughs> no, but do you know what I mean? Like, I think Snowpiercer is his most, de- like, largest departure. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think of this, and I'm thinking of, like, when I think of Ransom Drysdale. Yeah. Like, but... I think because we know him as, like, Steve Rogers, Captain America, yeah. such a nice, humble guy. And he plays an asshole really well, is what it is. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's, he's also very in that movie in that with, um, what's her name? The ex Chris Pratt. The ex Chris Pratt. Oh, oh, <laughs> what's your number? Yes, what's your number? Yeah, he's not so much of an asshole in that, just like he's douchey, just a womanizer. Yeah, but like a womanizer with a heart of gold. Oh God, <laughs> always. What we all need. What we all need. Uh, but, but no, the cast hot, in the Hot Fuzz had come out. Hot Fuzz had come out. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead had come out, and so I think he was Edgar Wright was really like known in those worlds. Maybe. And this had a budget of like $60 million too. Like they were giving him stuff to do. And he does it really well. Like I think what people, people think of this as like a teen movie, but it is an action movie as well. And I think that it does it very successfully. What I actually really liked about this movie, this is essentially, for those people who haven't seen, this is essentially a comic book slash video game put into a movie. Yeah. Like that's pretty. But it's fully aware of it. Yes. But it does live up to that. It live up, yeah. lives up to that, like, that elevator pitch. Like, think of a video game and a comic book, and then let's make a movie out of it. And this movie actually does it. It does exactly what it promises to do. Mm-hmm. And it does it throughout. Like, it doesn't just start with some ideas and then, like, whimper off and then just turn into a regular narrative film. Like, it really maintains the tone. It maintains the style from end to end. And that is, I think, really hard to do. And it's also one of those things, like, if you're a person that, like, likes to watch... I feel like this is made for people who like to watch movies because, like, there are a lot of little things that you could pause along the way or have in multiple viewings that you wouldn't have caught on to before. Like, little small things like in that scene when he's fighting the vegans, (laughs) Brandon Ruth is wearing a shirt that says three because he's the third evil ex-boyfriend to fight. Scott's wearing a shirt that says zero because, like, he... It's a zero. <laughs> yeah. And just like little things that you could pause and take a look at and like really just like go on IMDb trivia and go crazy for. That's true. I think though, I think the screenplay for this is quite weak. Go on. <laughs> Continue, please. Continue. I actually think the story this has to say is kind of like, it's a little bland. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a little... When you know that the story is about, you know, he finds... If you don't know the IMDb description, let's say, and you are watching this film kind of unfold, it takes a while to get to the point where you realize... Like, when she tells him, for instance, I have seven ex-boyfriends that you have to defeat, the movie doesn't... It doesn't go into, like, adventure mode. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a little bit of, like, back and forth. There's some lulls, and it's just, like, for something that's supposed to be so, like... That's a video game, like, goal, right? Like, you have to beat seven levels of bosses in in order to get the girl. That's the whole idea. But, like, there's such a lull after the first one. After, like, he beats the Indian guy, there's this moment where it's just like, well, is he going to do it or isn't he? Which is cool. But when he finally does this, it just, it takes a long time for the momentum to build. What do you think the moral of this story is? (laughs) It's tough. I I... Because I think it's about... Finding yourself and like knowing yourself and loving yourself before committing yourself to any kind of relationship or to anybody else. And I think like when you think of like all those secondary characters, a lot of them are just sort of like facets of him in mm. a lot of ways. Yeah. Like Ramona is his spontaneity. He doesn't really have that. Yeah. His sister is like his conscious. She's saying the things that he should be like really thinking about. Um, Like even his ex-girlfriend, like. She is so obsessive, and like I think there's probably a facet of his yeah. personality that is like that as well. Or not his ex girlfriend. What's her name? The the teenager she's dating. No, the oh, teenager. Oh, knives. 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 Chow. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that for a second. Okay. Because he's 22. <laughs> yeah, that's gross. She's 17. Yeah. Why was that okay? They clearly point out how gross it is throughout the movie, though. But it's a joke. Yeah. Well, okay. There's, like, no sex scene with them. Like, I'm going to give them that. Sure. Yeah. They also clearly point out, like, there's that big age difference. He d- hasn't even kissed her. He's yeah. only held her hand. So, like, I, as much as I am, like, an advocate for 
non-toxic relationships and relationships with like difficult age differences, I do feel like this is okay because they clearly point out that it is wrong in every sense of the word. It's wrong. But it's just funny in this context because we're looking at Scott Pilgrim and he's a loser. And I think like in 2010, I feel like I would have thought Scott Pilgrim was cool. But now in 2021, I know that he's a loser. (laughs) But is that making concession for portrayal then? Like you're essentially saying it's okay because it's how how it's portrayed. Is it how it's portrayed or like how it's written? When you say portrayed, I think of like how they acted, but not what was. I well, yeah, I think not necessarily how how the acting was portrayed. I think how the relationship was relationship portrayed. was portrayed. Because at the end of the day, if he's dating her, the end, not necessarily the end goal, but a goal along the way is sex. But the joke of it is that it's a disturbing relationship that he shouldn't be in. But it's a joke. But when you say that, though, then like. Think of all the times when you said it's a joke when Jenna wears blackface on 30 Rock. That's so funny. <laughs> it's the same thing. You have Which to is, look at the context. You have I, to I'm look not, at I'm not yeah. saying this because I'm personally offended. I wasn't, oh, okay. for the record. I'm not yeah. sitting back like, oh my God, because honestly, Jenna in blackface and 30 Rock is so funny and everyone just needs to get over it because that that's part is, of the joke, guys. That's it's part, part of the, the joke. joke. But and so and that's why I wasn't offended by this, but I was watching it more like, why isn't this more of an outrage then? In in our overly PC world, why isn't mm-hmm. this a bigger deal? Is more my well, question. this movie is not a big deal though. That's no. the thing. But it's a cult it's classic. Like, it's a cult classic, but it's not like it's not like every teenage. It's not Mean Girls. Not every teenager mm. went and saw this when this had come out. Yeah, it's not, and it's also not. For every teenager. I think Mean Girls is like more universal. And I think a lot of people can enjoy that. But again, this is divisive and it's polarizing. And there's like a certain handful of people that are going to enjoy a movie like this. And there are a lot of people who are going to think that this is dumb and stupid and like cheesy, doesn't make sense. And like, it's too much. I could totally see people having that point of view. Like your wife did. But I mean, to be quite honest, she didn't watch the whole thing. She like okay. walked into it. And so I can, I also was like watching it from that perspective. Like, yeah, this seems like a lot, especially because the dialogue itself has a cadence to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how I feel about that cadence. I feel like it's so much of the, the time. Like the when I watched this on the train, I was like, this is so nostalgic for me. Okay. Like I thought about the 2010s and what I was doing or really like, I feel like 2005 to 2010 was a time where I thought I was like cool because I listened to the music that other people didn't like and it wasn't mainstream. And I think this has that appeal to it for people who can have that sort of nostalgia. Have you ever seen um, The Killing of a Sacred Deer? That is the one I haven't watched yet. (laughs) Yorgos? Yorgos, yeah. Yeah. Yorgos Lanthimos. I Um, always look at the trailer for it and I'm like, do I want to watch this? (laughs) It's a weird film. Yeah. And so, the, and it's like so wildly, totally different. The only other thing, reason I bring it up is because the dialogue in that film is written very, very blunt and matter of fact. So the way they mm-hmm. speak is exactly what they're thinking they say, essentially. And there's no, the dialogue isn't scripted, essentially. Like it's very much like not even how people would talk. It's hard to explain. And yeah. it's very uncomfortable to watch at times because the dialogue is so flat, but like purposely so. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people don't like it because stylistically, it's actually quite imposing as an like as a as a style. It can be a lot to sit there and watch that for two hours and have all these characters talk like this, where it it's not it feels very unnatural, but oddly natural in certain ways. If I'm making like any Juno, sense. think about when Juno came out. That was like what all I remember hearing what all the reviews were of like who talks like this what is this but then like going to school and like actually listening to my peers and our conversations like sometimes we do say like weird stuff that doesn't make sense but it's like so fun to say and I think this has that tone as well that's an interesting that's an interesting parallel I'm literally just sitting here thinking I'm like is it the same thing and do I accept Juno because it's just more witty probably there's a line in Juno that I love and it's when Juno is I go um, no, <laughs> she's uh, in the hospital. She's having contractions and she's like, when, where, where, you know, can I get, where, sorry. 
she says, I want the, the spinal tap. So she's yeah. looking for the epidural. <laughs> and then Alice and Jenny says, doctors are people who like to play God and see lesser people cry. <laughs> or something, it's something along those lines. And it's my favorite line in that yeah. movie because her delivery is so, so good. And that's a line that I like to say to other doctors because it's absolutely, go. it's true. But I do find the the dialogue in Juno witty, like really, really witty at times. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the dialogue in this was witty. Like, I think I was young when Juno came out. I was in my like my 20s. Yeah. And I'm watching this in my late 30s. So like, obviously, there's a difference. But I think if I still watch Juno now in my 30s, I'd still find the dialogue appealing. I wonder. I haven't watched it in a long time. I haven't Should watched it in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't all I can remember is just like Ego is Prego and then the phones like the hot dog phones the hot dog yeah <laughs> yeah that was like such a big deal back then and Michael Sarah was just becoming oh my god the biggest thing he is so annoying Mitha I don't like him at all I dislike him <laughs> wildly and it makes me sad because it's George Michael but <laughs> it's just I he... only really like him in that first season of Arrested Development I actually really like him in Superbad, and I think that's because of his relationship with Jonah Hill. But yeah. Michael Sarah is the definition of a punchable face. <laughs> but, like, not a good-looking punchable no. face. No. Oh, my God. He's so not good-looking. He's not Nick Dunn. <laughs> the- <laughs> He's not. The only time I've really liked Michael Sarah is when he was playing Tobey Maguire in Molly's oh, Game. Oh, yeah, Molly's Game. <laughs> he does that very well. He did that very well, and I think yeah. it was so against type. That's why he's enjoyable in it, because you're, like, you're not expecting him to... Do we think Michael Sarah of- wanted like a career in acting though? Or do, do we think he just sort of like fell into it? Do we think he got lucky a couple times and like became a Judd Apatow like darling? <laughs> and then where is just- he now? What is he even doing? Exactly. That's why I don't think it was like, he's just a kid from Brampton, you know? I also think that like, he also plays the exact same character. Over and over. Over and over. And I think again, Molly's game is the one exception to that rule. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, he's kind of this like shy, awkward, intelligent boy. In Is he intelligent? That's the thing. thing. There's definitely a level of intelligence. Yeah, there's wit there, I guess. There's wit and there's maturity. Yeah. But he's shy and like unsure of himself and like all of that. And that's George Michael. That's super bad. That's Juno. That's this even. Also, did you know Anne is in this? Anne? Anne. Anne, Anne. plays her girlfriend. That's Mae Whitman. Her. And she eats eggs. You've watched Arrested Development, no? Oh, <laughs> that is the beauty of Anne. Is that that's literally Anne's purpose? Oh my god, I completely. I did not like Arrested Development that much. You did. I love that first season so much, though. I think that <laughs> you were talking, and I was like, "What is she saying?" I cannot, for the life of me, figure out what you're trying to tell me. Anne. Anne. Yes, Anne. May Whitman. May Whitman. Yeah, who I Kim. Her name adore. is Kim, right? Is that her name in this? Kim, the drummer. <laughs> yeah. No, that's Alison Pill. <laughs> she was Ramona's girlfriend. She's one of the evil exes he oh, has to fight. Oh, really? She's the reason why they say evil exes and not evil ex-boyfriends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember that, but I thought it was... No, Alison Pill was on, like, Newsroom. Okay. She was um, engaged to Jay Baruchel at one point. Mm. Oh, God, he's another one. The guy from Popular Mechanics for Kids. (laughs) Who has a more punchable face? Jay Baruchel or Michael Sarah? Michael Sarah. Really? Yeah. You think Jay Jay Baruchel is good I can stand him. Who's better looking? Jay Baruchel. Really? Between Jay Baruchel and Michael Sarah? Yeah. Honestly, it's a Sophie's choice, to be quite honest. Is it, though? Yeah, like, I think they're both pretty bland. I don't think you remember what Jay Baruchel looks like. I think they're real both, like, white bread. Oh. Well, can we talk about how Canadian this movie is, too? Yeah, but also, it's an American film. It's an American movie set in Toronto in Canada. Yeah. It depicts Toronto fairly well. It's very Toronto. <laughs> it's very Toronto. They shot at Casa Loma. They shot at a Pizza Pizza where I peed once. So <laughs> <laughs> I have that, to go use the washroom. That's your claim to fame? That's my claim to fame. I peed at the Pizza Pizza that they shot Scott Pilgrim at. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was what across the street. Alive. From Honest Ed's, which no longer exists. Nathan, yeah. You're famous now. I know. You're, I, I went to dinner to Sushi on Bloor <laughs> on my way home. And I needed to pee. That's it. That's my claim to fame, guys. 
but very Canadian. And like, I, I appreciate it. I think it shows Toronto in a cool light and not as gross as people yeah, think Canada I, is. I, people think Canada is gross. People think, people think we're like weird and like talk like this, eh? <laughs> also, as Canadians, no one actually talks like that. I've never met a single person who has that accent. Or like I a, have. have <laughs> There's I've seen met people who like when you work in retail long enough. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. You you meet all sorts of types of people. And there are people who do have the accent or like they say Ader Bud. I say Ader Bud sometimes too. Yeah, fair. But yeah, it comes out. Here's my question for you. Yeah. Is this a memorable film? For me, Mm-hmm. It was. Okay. But I can see it not being memorable for people. And I can see I can see it being set aside. And I think I understand why it didn't make very much money when it did come out. I don't think it should have, though. I feel like if this was marketed better, maybe. Because mm-hmm. I remember when it w- did come out, I didn't see it. I was annoyed by Michael Sarah. I was like, oh, another Michael Sarah movie? Yeah. Like, what is this? And I thought... To myself, like, maybe this is too alternative or, like, it's trying really hard yeah, to be something cool. Yeah. And my whole perspective was, like, I like the things that aren't trying to be cool yeah. at that time. Like, if I, I was a teenager at that time. So that's where my mindset was. And so I think people maybe avoided it for those reasons. But then actually watching this, I was like, this is really fun and entertaining. And, like, I had also never seen anything like this before. I and also I think, don't think Michael Sarah is a bankable star. Like he's not no. a star. No, but he also he needs the right ensemble, and he has the right ensemble in this though. Like all these people are extremely famous now and like make a lot of money, but this cast in this movie at this time completely works. Everybody is doing a really good job here. I don't think there's anyone that's kind of bringing it down. Even Jason Schwartzman, which like was so random, he fits in it. He makes sense. And he's not somebody that can fit in a lot he of things. He also has a punchable face. Nah, I don't mind Schwartzman. That's because he's a Coppola. The family Yeah, I was literally us. just going to say that's because <laughs> you love him because of Sofia Coppola. I love him because he is part of the Coppola clan. I love his mother. And I'll leave really? it at that. Do you yeah. love his mother? Yeah, I don't mind her. <laughs> what? I've never really liked Jason Schwartzman. Like, I don't think I've ever liked him. This movie is full of people I just don't like. Maybe that's what. And, and by full, I really do mean Michael Sarah. I really, it, I find him really hard to like in this film. I think the thing that the people, I do actually like Anna Kendrick. I do like Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. I don't love Audrey Plaza. I think she's a little, Aubrey Plaza, I think she's a little annoying. But, oh, I um, I, and I like Brie Larson. But they're all side characters. But it, I feel like this was marketed little, at the um, time as like, this is a Michael Sarah movie. Watch this. His na- his character's name is in the title. Mm-hmm. But we're forgetting the world part of it. And the world part is really what makes this entertaining. Especially Kieran Culkin. We haven't talked about Kieran, Kieran Culkin. Kieran Culkin is good, as a, is is good in this. Hilarious He's very, in He's very this. funny in this. And I keep telling you to watch Succession, Succession because yeah. his character in Succession is similar to his character in this but just like a little bit more r-rated and just like so good and he was he he's definitely good in this he's got some great lines he pulls yeah. them off he pulls he, them off. he is that sarcastic witty friend and who would have thought that fuller McAllister would be able to be such an ass <laughs> who would have thought macaulay culkin's brother would have been able to be would be the more successful Culkin. it's true because who, what has happened to macaulay he's engaged to someone and just had a baby Remember when he dated Mila Kunis? Remember when he... Oh, he's engaged to Brenda Song. Oh. <laughs> Why? You don't She's... love Zach and Cody? You don't no. love the sweet life? No, no. Oh, okay. I'm okay. <laughs> it's someone who understands his world, though, because she was a child star, too. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Yeah. Do you see Cool People Ladies? I actually don't. I like this just the way it is. Like, I don't need to know about Scott's life before... He met Ramona Flowers because I think he's just like a weird loser. I don't need to know what happens at the end of this. I like I'm fairly satisfied. I would like to know more about the vegan police and this world of veganism in which you have superpowers because you're vegan. I think that is probably my favorite part of this movie is like what they're saying about people who see themselves as vegans and like what that culture is like. It can be. So yeah, more of the vegan police, please. <laughs> okay. Maybe yeah. they get a movie or a series. 
a tell. Actually, while I was watching this, I kept thinking to myself, like, would this have made sense as like a limited series? No. And here's why I think that the style is too much for like long term. And that's why I don't think sequels would work either. But a limited series. I'm saying like this was only ever going to be one season. You have seven episodes or maybe eight episodes that go through each of the exes and each ex he learns something new about himself. But I think as a story, maybe, but without the style. I think the style of like this, like how it's shot and how it's made, I think it could only work in a film. Really? In a singular film. TV is doing such different things now, though. WandaVision? Yeah, but (laughs) outside of that, too. (laughs) Name me one other thing outside of. (laughs) WandaVision is doing it. Loki, Falcon, (laughs) the Winter Soldier. (laughs) So just a bunch of Marvel crap. Okay, wait, wait, wait. But even things like, when I think back to that first episode of lost yeah. that first that pilot episode plays out like a movie and i think that was really the beginning of like let's take episodic television and make it bigger than what people expect it to be and i think there have been things along the way that have done that but lost isn't style right Lost is lost is narrative it's how the narrative unfolds where scott mm-hmm. pilgrim it is like style i haven't watched the boys but from what i understand of the boys it could be similar, but I haven't Maybe. seen it, so I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen it either. But so I will reserve judgment on the boys. But I think Or the, um what's the one that Regina King is in? A Watchman. Watchmen. But I don't think that is I think that is very much like Batman like Christopher Nolan's Batman universe. Like it's supposed to take the superhero kind of idea and put it into a real world context. Mm-hmm. And that's why the Watchmen works. Because have you seen the Watchmen movie? No. It's you're, we're not. It's terrible to, from what I hear. It's not good, yeah. And again, it's a lot of style. I don't. I just think that style is only. It works in small doses, and I think mm-hmm. if you had a series of like eight episodes of this, it would be exhausting. Somebody do it. <laughs> so we can judge this. So we can judge it and watch it and see. see if we like yeah. it. I don't know. Spinoff podcast. Okay, should I go into my review? Yeah, your rating. I will go into my rating then. Yes, please do. So I, so, okay. When I watched this on the train, I think I would have given it like a four on the train because I I was really excited by it. I was like, oh, I've never watched anything like this. Aesthetically, it's very pleasing. It's nostalgic for me as well. It took me back to being 19 years old and like what was cool and the music and the music in this is very good music. Mm -hmm. And it's just very poppy and it's vibrant and it's a fun story to watch. Watching it the second time, I did feel those like cheesier elements kind of play in. And I was like, oh, like, why did I find this <laughs> really interesting? But then there are some things that are done just so well. I think the Chris Evans character, his whole action montage scene mm-hmm. is done really well. Um, I love the veganism <laughs> in this movie. I you think do. that's great as well. Uh, and especially those last scenes with Jason Schwartzman character. I think everything is really pulled off. But I did feel those like slight cheesiness and I can understand why it could be more polarizing for people. Mm-hmm. And I can see where people might land of being like, no, this isn't actually a good movie. So for today, I will give it three and a half stars. Okay. Okay. It's interesting because what I'm taking away the most from this season, I think, is how much place and time plays in how you see a movie. And yep. how, how much, like, exterior things can really influence how you see a movie. It's hard to sit there in a vacuum and watch it. Because I wonder how I would have felt about this if I hadn't had the stress of the week. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I don't know if this was the tone I was I, I needed in my life or, like, what I was going for or, like, what I was up for, for instance. But I do wonder if I had watched this on, like, an average week if I would have liked it more than I did. Mm-hmm. I do find... There are things I respect more than I like, I'd say. I really think the style, I really applaud that they maintained that style. I applaud also that this is a movie that is meant for people who like video games and comic books and graphic novels, but not in a like, here's just another superhero movie. Mm -hmm. Like it, it takes, I think, that world and that style that also is about video games and comic books and all of that and it infuses it into a movie very very well and i can appreciate how if you are a bit of a loner and you know those are kind of your things and you don't really have friends how enchanting this movie would be 
And yeah, how it's like kind- something you get to see part of yourself in it. Yeah, you get to yeah. see part of yourself in it. You get to see part of, you know, a world that makes you maybe feel inclusive, like included, like it may- maybe makes you feel like a part of something. So, which is why when I watch it, I was like, I didn't really love it, but I can see how other people do. I can, And I can respect how other people do. Because mm-hmm. I think the weakest link in this, ironically, I think is actually the story. I think it, the screenplay's, the dialogue can be witty and can be fun and, and some of the characters are great. But I think a rearranging of some things and kind of making it a bit more punchy would have made the movie a bit more interesting. Because it is almost two hours. It is, it is long. Yeah. It is long for what it is, too. So... Overall, I did not love this, but I also didn't hate it. And I think my respect for it outweighs my finding it slightly forgettable as a film. Because honestly, I'm sitting here and my opinion is just very like, okay, I watched it. I didn't really like love it. But I think where I'm settling is with three stars. Three. Okay. I find it interesting that like, because if I had your week of like what was going Mm -hmm. on, you would have loved something I would like this. want something that yeah. I would want this because I feel like it would take me out of what is going on. What do you find like when you have a, when you're busy and like stressed out? What kind of movies do you like to watch? So actually, one of the the movie we're watching next week is one of oh, the movies. Okay, so I guess I just like... <laughs> that's a nice little segue. That's it's definitely one. But also, that's a really good question. I could think of I I think when I watch something that I feel like is really well made. Mm-hmm. But not necessarily super serious. Mm. Like, it's a Bollywood movie, but you know, Dil Dharaknedo with Ranveer Singh <laughs> yeah. and Priyanka Chopra. I really, I, I, I know it's not an amazing film, but I love so much about it. And I like I so much that. about it that when I watch it, I find it puts me in a really good place. Like, I really just enjoy watching it. Yeah. And it's it's something, have you ever seen Morning Glory with Rachel McAdams? Yeah. <laughs> it has the same quality, I find. Like, it's... It's so it easy heart. to watch. It has it has a bit of heart. It's so easy to watch, but there's also art to it. Like it's a really nicely made film. It's kind of like yacht rock, but in movie form. Yeah. Do you feel it? Yeah, yeah. that's what I feel like. And so, like, like, because I still want something that is like good. I still expect. Yeah, it's, I it's still good have, music, but yeah. it's meant for like yachts, like yeah. you're easy riding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's yacht I, rock. <laughs> I find that like something like Morning Glory or like the Devil Wars Prada, like they they're ironically both oh made gosh. by the same man. <laughs> but like those are movies that I'm like, if I'm in a bad mood, they're they're very comforting, but they're also I feel like I'm not dubbing myself down to watch yeah. them. It's not like watching The Wedding Planner. And I say that <laughs> because I have a soft spot for the wedding planner. I know, I don't understand it. <laughs> Although I'm so ex- happy about J-Lo and Ben, and I yeah. predicted it, too. Maybe I'm psychic. Maybe you are psychic. Yeah. But yes, that was Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah, SPVTW. <laughs> I just really like saying that. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. But Mitha, are you ready to play? Different characters. Same world. I don't know. You ended after me. Did I? Yeah, no, I meant I heard to your end t- before. But... My apologies. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. Okay, so okay. I'm giving you two actors. Okay. <laughs> and I'm giving you one writer. So I'm giving you the person who wrote this movie. Okay. Because it's a notable writer. Okay. Okay? Okay. Okay, so I'm giving you Caleb. <laughs> I'm giving you Jenny. Oh my gosh, why are you so mean? And I'm giving you Joe March. And your timer starts now. I'm just going to say, I think it's Brooklyn. It is Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew because my shirts are Sir Ronan. As soon as you said, well, okay, it could have been Winona Ryder. Joe March could have been Winona Ryder. Fair enough, yeah. But I was like, I don't think Nadine would pick a Winona Ryder movie for me. Um, And then I was like, what haven't I seen with Saoirse? And it's Brooklyn. It's Brooklyn, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm excited for Brooklyn. So, just for our listeners, Joe March is Saoirse Ronan from Greta Gerwig's uh, Little Women. Women, yeah. Caleb is, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Dominal Gleason. Okay, Dom Hall Gleason. Dom Hall Gleason from uh, Ex Machina. Okay. And the writer. You couldn't is... have picked one of the, we- he was a Weasley brother. You couldn't have picked Oh, right. <laughs> I was like, where do I know him from? Anyways. How dare that, you? That, that, that's not where I went. Jenny was Carrie Mulligan in An Education, oh. which was written by one Nick Hornby. 
There you go. Oh, Nick Hornby. So we are watching the romantic drama Brooklyn from 2015. How long is it? Uh, One hour and 57 minutes. Okay. I'll let it. I'll let it be. Is it too long for you? No. (laughs) (laughs) If it was over two and a half, then yeah. Well, we've got some long ones coming up. Oh my gosh. You're the worst. (laughs) I think you got to rent this though. I'm sorry. Do I? No, I think it's available somewhere. Let me see. Brooklyn. That's British, though. I can't do the Irish accent. Irish accent is tough. Can you do it? You lived there. <laughs> I could do a really bad fake Irish accent. Try it. <laughs> I don't think I should meet the... <laughs> I don't think you should either. No, what I was can't. that? <laughs> I don't know. I told you I can't do it. Uh, um, Brooklyn is on CBC Gem or Movie. I could try to get another free trial for Movie. Rent it, or I'll rent it. Exciting! I'm exciting. So yeah, we'll find out why I chose Brooklyn next week. Okay. But before that meets, do you have any parting words? If your life had a face, I would punch it. It's like how I would punch Michael Sarah in the face. I don't think I would punch him. I feel too bad, but I would just say like Michael Sarah, I don't enjoy you. Because (laughs) for me, in my head, it's Michael Sarah's face with his. Toby Maguire character from Molly's game, which makes them so punchable. Let's just punch Toby Maguire. He seems like a real jerk. Yeah, he does seem like a giant ass. He? Yeah. Why would you screw over Molly like that? Yeah, he really does. <sighs> Where's your career? It's true. He has yeah. definitely what are you gone doing? down. Oh, I follow your ex-wife on Instagram? Great. <laughs> Jen Meyer Jewelry. <laughs> I don't know why I came there. I don't know why we went there. <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening to Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for Brooklyn. Have a lovely week, folks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon. <laughs>